Nothing can come of nothing. You best think again. I bid you all good day. May you all burn in hell. Welcome to Avant Bard, a podcast where two theater nerds explore the highest highs and the lowest lows of works inspired by that upstart crow himself, William Shakespeare. My name is Matthew James Marquez, and I use he, him pronouns. And my name is Megan Charlo, and I use she, her pronouns. And today, we are discussing the 2002 television film, King of Texas, written by Stephen Harrigan and directed by Uli Adele. I had a moment just then where I was like, this didn't come out in theaters? I should have seen that coming. (laughs) Megan, it's clearly a TV movie. Yeah. King of Texas is an adaptation of William Shakespeare's tragedy, King Lear, set in Texas in the Old West. It was produced by and aired on TNT on March 23rd, 2002. I could not find the ratings for this thing, Megan. I looked at several websites. Filmed in Pachuca, Tlaxcla, and Durango, Mexico, this TV film boasts realistic-looking production design and is part of the late 90s and early 2000s revival of the Western genre. Do you remember this, Megan? Back to the Future Part 3, Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, there's that TV show, The Quick and the Dead, like, Westerns were a thing in the 90s. It kind of culminated in Firefly. Take my love, take my land, take me where I cannot stand. This and Firefly were probably on the tail end of the revival of the love of the Western. And now we don't really care. I don't care. I'm still free. People keep trying to make Westerns, though, uh, and they don't work. You can't take sky from me. So the U.S. Western is a genre focusing on Manifest Destiny, Justice, lawlessness, race relations, and the American dream on the frontier. And these are things that William Shakespeare didn't have to think about. What are you talking about? Manifest Destiny is all over Romeo and Juliet. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, colonialism. I have a quote from the screenwriter. Shakespeare is not supposed to be realistic. Okay, first off, I'm going to pause, pause. That's the first line of his quote. I think what they mean is Shakespeare was used as escapism. But that's not the same thing as saying it's not realistic. It's removed from your expectations that things are going to make logical sense. But for a movie audience, it has to be plausible. That's also just not true. So there were many plot points along the way where I had to ask myself, what's going on here? Why did this character behave this way? If there's one thing about William Shakespeare's plays that is pretty well known, it's that the characters explain why they do things out loud. Yeah. Iago aside, who just kind of lies to the audience, characters say what they're thinking and what their plan of action is. Especially in King Lear? I'm trying to think of anyone that I'm like, I have no clue why they'd act the way they do. I'd say they're all pretty straightforward in Lear. It's clear why they do what they do. And if you have any questions, yeah, they're about to have a soliloquy to explain it. 
Anyway, Megan, what can you tell us about King Lear, the William Shakespeare play? So King Lear's a king. He's old. He's like, I got all this land. I'm getting old. I'm going to divide it among my children because that's what I'm going to do. Tell me how much you love me. And so they say it. And then his youngest daughter, who's his favorite, is like, I won't say it. And so he's like, okay, screw you then. You're banished. And the other two get all of my land. And then they are like, haha, we got your land. You're destitute now. Goodbye. Meanwhile, there's this family. And, you know, it's Gloucester and his sons, including one bastard, who he's like, that's a bastard all the time. So as you can guess, the bastard's not a huge fan of his father. And so he frames his brother, Edgar, as a horrible person. And so then Edgar, he's like, okay, I guess I'm poor Tom now. And he dresses in mud and nothing else and acts like he deserves to be in the loony bin. And then he comes across destitute Lear and there's a whole thing. There's a lot. So here's the thing. King Lear has a lot going on. Those are the two main storylines. Also, the youngest daughter is in France. Uh, and then everyone is just fighting. Megan, I think it's because you like the play. So I don't want to leave anyone out. Yeah, but Megan, there are other plays that you've described on this podcast that you've left whole swaths of storylines <laughs> That's true. Out. That's true. Um, okay, so then... There's, you know... No, no, the, Megan, uh, there's, this, there's not more an invite. this is not an invite <laughs> for you to continue. I'm just saying you don't have to defend yourself. You haven't done the whole plots before. TLDR, essentially everyone dies. Death! And I would like to state that in this version of the play, the Edmund subplot just kind of Bye. stops happening. The Edgar subplot? really doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. He disappears and he comes back. Back. All right, Megan, it's time for Marquez's acting corner full-fledged. We have Megan, Sir Patrick Stewart as John Lear, our King Lear. And he was an executive producer on this TV film. Nice. He was married at the time to another executive producer, Wendy Noose. They're no longer married. But she kind of helped produce a lot of short films that he was in during the early 2000s. He did a Christmas Carol that he got several nominations for. Is that what we're doing this year? Oh, we could. <laughs> Anyway, Patrick Stewart is a well-known actor, most known for playing Captain Jean-Luc Picard in five different series of Star Trek, including the current Picard. He also played Professor Charles Xavier in... He was the first one. The first Charles Xavier. What? I thought he was the young man with the long, flowing hair. (laughs) I will say something about Professor Charles Xavier. Patrick Stewart plays him like he's a great guy, which is wild because Charles Xavier is a shitty dude and I don't like him. And it's wild because I'm like, but I like Patrick Stewart, Charles Xavier. But really, Megan, looking at his acting career, he really only is a genre actor on film and then a highly lauded Shakespearean actor on stage. And it's wild because I think he's pretty well known by everyone for playing Jean-Luc Picard and Charles Xavier. And then that's it. Like he has done other things, but it's astounding that someone who hasn't had that many famous roles 
is as famous as he is. He has received several Laurence Olivier Awards, as well as one Tony nomination. Only one, Megan, not even a win. Weirdly, he does have a Grammy, though, for doing a children's recording of Peter and the Wolf. Nice. Do you know what I know him as most? King Gooba and Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius? No. Oh, okay. I was gonna say being Sir Ian McKellen's best friend. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and dressing up as a lobster in a tub on Halloween one year. <laughs> I'm surprised that he is not in any of the Lord of the Rings films. Like, not even the Hobbit films. He's not. He's just not in any of them. You could have just put him as like a... a Too a, recognizable. Ian McKellen's in them. Marsha Gay Harden uh, plays Susanna Lear Tumlinson. And she is an Academy Award winning actress for her role in the 2000 film Pollock, where she portrayed artist Lee Krasner. She also received an Oscar nomination for Mystic River. And I know her as someone who's in a bunch of TV shows as having a bossy round face. What? What, Megan? What? What do you. What? I don't think I know her. She also won a Tony for playing Veronica in God of Carnage, making her an two or an ot. I like ot. Rory Scheider plays our Henry Westover, who is this adaptation's version of Gloucester. He was Chief Brody in Jaws and Jaws 2, and got an Oscar nomination for The French Connection, as well as another Oscar nom for playing the thinly veiled stand-in for Bob Fosse, Joe Gideon, in Bob Fosse's film All That Jazz. Do you know about that, Megan? Do you know that Bob Fosse made a film that was basically about his life? Yeah. Wild. No one else was doing it. Fosse's <laughs> like, when are people gonna make a film about me? I, 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 he made it because he thought he was gonna die. Yeah, I know. Cole Meany, who plays Henry Tumlinson, who is our Duke of Albany. He was Miles O'Brien in Star Trek The Next Generation and Deep Space Nine. And I never mention him on the magical legend of the Leprechauns. And he plays Seamus. The head leprechaun The guy. dad? The dad. <gasps> the and, drunk? And I hadn't watched Deep Space Nine at the time we recorded Magical Legend of the Leprechauns. And I'm sorry. I'm so sorry I forgot you. Because Colmini rules. And you know what? Mea culpa. That's it. He's mostly known for being O'Brien on two series of Star Trek. David Allen Greer, who plays Rip in King of Texas, which is our stand-in for both the Earl of Kent and the Fool. Mostly the Fool. Mostly the Fool, but they don't have a Kent, so they kind of give part of it to him and part of it to Tumlinson. David Allen Greer is an actor famous for being a longtime cast member on the variety show In Living Color, created by the Waynes Brothers, who... That show also helped introduce Jim Carrey, Rosie Perez, Jennifer Lopez, and Jamie Foxx. He has three Tony nominations and actually just won a Tony last year for Best Performance by a Featured Actor in a Play for a Revival of a Soldier's Play. You would know him as the guy that got fired from the factory slash the policeman from Jumanji, who got his car crushed by the plant. Uh, he was also the Cowardly Lion in the 2015 live production of The Wiz. Remember when they used to do that? Yeah. Like, there was, like, a several-year-long period where they're just, like, live, on TV, musicals. Whatever happened to that? People don't like musicals anymore, didn't you hear? <laughs> they just hate them. 
And he is going to be in the upcoming musical version of The Color Purple. The film, because there's a musical version that came out recently, and they're going to make a film of that musical version. They didn't get the memo. Everybody hates musicals. Oh, no. And then, Megan, we have Stephen Bauer, who plays Manchaco, who's our Prince of France. And Megan, this guy plays Don Eladio in the... Okay, okay. Breaking bad of verse. Okay, okay, okay. I thought he looked familiar, but then I was like, I might be being racist. No, he's just aged up. He's just aged up. I didn't, like, I couldn't match who he was, but I was like, I feel like I've seen this guy. But when I saw that, I was like, this guy's been in, like, nothing. And I'm like, "Uh I lied. I lied. Also, last but not least, the guy who plays Emmett, who's Edmund... Matt Leisher played Reverse Flash in the Flash TV show, and I knew that guy was a snake. He killed Barry Allen's mom. I only watched one and a half seasons of The Flash. The Reverse Flash is a bad guy. That show's not good. But that's it. That's the acting corner, Megan. Let's start the film then. Okay. The film starts with the greatest animal it could ever start with, a skink. The skink will not come in any later. I just, I was happy. I own a skink, and so I'm happy when I see his cousins. Then we, you know, pan out a little bit more, and there's two guys that are being hanged, so I'm not as happy. And Manchaco shows up, and his buddies are like, you know, John Lear did that, and he's like, I know who did this. Why did you leave them in the tree? And they're like, oh, we wanted you to see it. And he's like, well, yeah, okay, I've seen it. Show some respect, jeez. I mean, that's just yeah, a that's, short scene. That's just their little cold open. And we cut to a ranch, and above the ranch there hangs a metal L. For Lear. And the first we get to see of John Lair, as they pronounce it, they're like, Lair. He's missing all the dancing. He's missing all them dancing, because he's old. He's just in his office doing work. He's an old man. And Claudia is just like, Pa, come on. And he's like, Susanna's not even here yet. Okay. Claudia convinces him to come out. Claudia's our Cordelia, obviously. Oh, yeah. I didn't mention her because like her only... No, what? I couldn't even remember. Yeah, exactly. So Cordelia, Claudia, is like, come on, Pa. Let's go see the people. And he walks out. Everyone's like, yay, we love this guy. This guy pays us. Also, it's Texas Independence Day, which is a holiday for him, apparently. And it's not the July 4th. It is Texas Independence Day, to be clear. They start by saying Independence Day, and then they clarify. Yeah. So the Westovers come in, and we've got Henry and Emmett. So we've got Mr. Gloucester. (laughs) Mr. Gloucester. (laughs) I don't remember his first name. And Edmund. And Edmund, the bastard. And they've got a pretty horse gift for (laughs) Mr. Lear. What? They've got a pretty horse (laughs) gift. It's not. Hey, hey, Marquez, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. No, Marquez, listen to my joke. Don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Megan, I heard the joke. Do you want to say it one more time to see if it's funny the third time? (laughs) Anyway, Thomas shows up. Thomas, our Edgar. And he's late, and he missed oh, the- He's drunk. He's drunk. Okay, here's where- Here's the first thing that we're really separating from King Lear. Thomas sucks. Thomas sucks. He's <laughs> not a reliable son, which, so- So Edgar, maybe he reads too much astrology. 
Maybe. It's just like, hi, Edgar's a nerd. Yeah. But he seems to be a dutiful son who cares about his family. And Gloucester loves Edgar. And is the kind of person who's like, ah, yes, and here's Edmund, my bastard. He's a bastard. Everyone ignore him. We don't do that. It's weird that they don't do the introduction of Edmund. Because that's like the first thing that happens yeah. is it's like, hey, who's this? Your bastard son? And he's like, he's pretty okay. But also he's still a bastard. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely not my heir. So we already have this idea of why Edmund really hates Edgar. And I guess in this version, it makes it more believable that Henry Westover would be like, oh, I believe Emmett when he says that Thomas is bad because I have issues with my son. But it's just such a strong change, in my opinion. Yeah, it's because we don't get soliloquies in this adaptation. so Which is a shame because God's stand-up for bastards is a good soliloquy. Edmund has a good soliloquy, and I think that with cutting that, you need to find a way to have it be clear that he might be actually more deserving than Thomas is. Yeah. But since he is a bastard son, he's not getting anything when Henry dies. I'm also really thankful that this movie changed one of their names to something very different than the other. Edgar, Edmund, Emmett, Thomas. Thomas. Well, it's because Edgar takes on the disguise of poor, poor Tom, Tom in the original play. And this, he doesn't, he doesn't do anything. So he's just Thomas, which is smart. It's fine. And it yeah. also separates their names, thankfully. So Emmett convinces Thomas to go to San Antonio. It's fine. Go have fun, brother. He's just like, dad's real mad at you. So just go. Just go find yourself a bit. And then when you come back, everything will have blown over. Lear's other daughter, Susanna, shows up. He yells at her that she's late. But also, like, here's my problem with telling people they're late. It's the freaking 1800s. And this is Texas. You know how big Texas is? She's out in Austin. It takes a week to get, like, to a different city, let alone get somewhere on time. You're lucky that she didn't die and that you didn't find out for two months because no one sent you a letter. I have a question. Yeah. Why is her name Susanna? Oh, Susanna, don't you cry for me. Well, okay, so- I come from mythological Britain with a Texan on my knee. Rebecca is Reagan. Yeah. That sounds similar. Susanna <laughs> Susanna is Goneril. Here's the thing. Uh, just real quick. Um I, I'm I'm looking here at my notes. Goneril's a horrid name for a person. Yeah, but they changed Reagan to something that sounds like it. Hey, Georgia, Georgina, Georgia, Georgina, Jenny even. That's too Gonorrhea. Gonorrhea, chlamydia. Chlamydia. <laughs> anyway, I just find it weird. There's also a moment that I find interesting here because Rebecca, I think, is like, how's dad? And Susanna says, oh, he's ornery as ever. And he goes, yeah, I am. And they have this little moment where I'm like, these are passive aggressive (laughs) moments, which which we don't get at the start of Lear. At the start of Lear, we just get, how much do you love me? I love you forever and a day. But they have, like, a jovial, taunting relationship. Yeah, they're which, a family. It's yeah, nice. it's, it's cool. And then Manchaco shows up, 
and he is yelling at Lear because Lear is a piece of shit who killed his men for trying to eat one of his steer. And yeah, he's just like, "Well, that's my cow," and he's like, "They're they starving. starving. You took their land." I mean, it's impressive that Lear doesn't, I don't know, shoot him dead while he's there. No, he gives him a chance. He's like, hey, it's my party day. Get off my land or I'll hang you too. Go on. And he leaves. But we do see a little looking back and forth between Manchaco and Claudia. I want more of their story because it's far more interesting than, I don't know, the Prince of France is like, I'll take pity on you. Seriously. Like, I know that France technically is an enemy, but at the start of the play, it's not. No. He becomes an enemy because of all this junk. But in this, it's like we got a little Romeo and Juliet thing going on. But we know the cause of the feud. It's racism. (laughs) Okay, so we have finally our major first scene from the play, which is the loving dad contest. We learn a few things here. John Lear, he used to have a son. But his son was martyred at Gilead. He's dead. He don't have no son. So, he's got 200,000 acres to divide up. Every acre paid for in blood. That doesn't divide evenly into three. No, he always knew someone was going to get more. But how do you think he divides it? Like, does somebody get, like, one acre? (laughs) What I find interesting is Claudia is asked last. I would think you'd ask your favorite first so you could give her the most land. And And he still follows the laws of primogeniture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just find it silly because what is he going to do if he wants her to get the most land? Just like, oh, you get a fifth and you get a sixth and whoops, JK, you guys each get half. So it's a loving dad contest. First up, we got Susanna. They do a really good job of taking what Shakespeare says and making it make sense in this context and changing it so that it fits and still sounds similar. So one thing I do love, Susanna talks about how her father is the strongest man in the country mm-hmm. and he worked hard Not and a lie. Not a lie. got where he was and protected all of them. And what I think is really cool that is not in Goneril because it would be a little too modern is that Susanna ends it with, I love you for your strength and I love you for the strength you gave to me. That's pointed. Yes. That is all subtext. Yes. And it's like, and now you're going to give me power on top of my strength and I will use it against you. Thank you for rearing me in this fashion so that I'm capable of this. Yeah. And I really love that because there is that bit of foreshadowing. And then Rebecca's like, samesies. Times two. Ditto. Yeah. Like, (laughs) Reagan says, like, I agree with Goneril, but also she didn't say it enough. And what Rebecca says is, I mean, she's got such a way with words. I can't even express my words because mine is all about feelings. You give me the feeling of the sun in the sky warming the entire earth and making life possible, essentially. And it's like, (laughs) oh, I love you like I love the sun. I hate the sun, so... And her husband immediately is like, no, I don't like the land he gave us. It's salty. And I'm like, oh, he's bad. That guy's bad, yeah. Which is true. Cornwall, bad. But then Lear asks Claudia, 
how much she loves him. And just like in the play, she's got nothing to say. I also love that he says, why won't you say it like your sister's done? She essentially replies by saying, you should know how much I love you because I'm the one here taking care of you every day. Which I like a lot more than Cordelia's response, which is like, I give you the minimal. And also, they married people, so I think that's a weak argument. Yep. It's it's a sassy argument, but I feel like it's weaker than like, you can't command love from people, Pa, but obviously I show it to you every day, so... And then he gets really mad because she won't say it. She's giving reasons that he should know it, but she's still not saying the words. And Patrick Stewart's a good actor. What? He has this quiet rage in this moment, and it's so good, and then it boils over into shouting rage. He's good? He's good, and he calls her a rattlesnake and says that she was pretending to love him Uh, all these years. Megan, come on. Rattler. He does call her a rattlesnake, but he does call her a rattler. And Tomlinson, I think, is like, yo, 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 calm down. Homini, he's in there. He's like, he was a union man. That's a... Deep Space Nine reference. Okay. Uh, but he's just like, I think you're going a little too hard because he's, he's taking Kent's role in this one moment. You talking to me like that, boy? Yeah, he's just like, who are you to tell me how I can speak? Go! Get! Get! And so yeah, Tomlinson, who's Susanna's husband, is just like, please don't do this! And he follows Claudia out and is like, don't worry, me and Susanna... We're going to talk to your dad. We'll make it be fine. And meanwhile, Susanna's like, hey, listen, guys, this is great. Oh, you want to do a racist takeover of the Mexicans land? Yeah, Rebecca's husband, Highsmith. Yeah, he's just like, we should take more land from Manchaca. And of course, Claudia rides off. I think she takes the new present horse. Sure. It doesn't come up again. So I think it's that same horse. It was black. Uh, and she rides off to Menchaca's, and then they hug each other, and she cries in his arms. I'm like, have you guys met before now? I want that romance novel cover. I want their backstory. Yeah. Because, uh, well, so we know that Menchaca made a treaty with Lear. Mm Mm-hmm. So, like, he had to have come over. Did we have little, like, backstory, like, Othello Desdemona bits? I don't know. We will never know. In the next scene, we learn that it looks like somebody's stolen all of the Westover's horses. Not stolen, sold to the U.S. Army. Oh, no. We also learn that Westover is just like, yeah, Emmett, I would have given you things, too. But I promised Thomas's mom that he'd get everything. But you're amazing. And I've always loved you, son. But you're a bastard. And no, he goes like... Uh, I'm used to it being a bastard. And then it looks like Thomas sold the horses and also killed this one guy. (gasps) Not that one guy, Megan. Not the guy who worked on their farm. I don't know. Not the farmhand. So Susanna's moving in. I feel like this has to be weeks later, but it feels like the next day. Yeah. She's in Austin now. Anyway, she got all her stuff here immediately, FedEx, you know. Oh, also to note, Tomlinson has to go to Austin. Yeah, he's like, 
I'm staying in Austin for a while because I got to talk to the mayor or something. Uh, the governor of Texas, yeah. whatever. I, I, I have to be not here for a majority of the play or else me doing nothing makes no sense. Because it does make sense that Albany just kind of stands around and does nothing. Albany's kind of shown as a lily-livered coward. While Tomlinson's out there being like, we'll talk to Lear and we'll make him see reason. And it's like, oh, nope, you gotta go. So instead of welcoming his daughter home, Lear's like, hey, you're basically a servant now. Make me peach pie and play me piano music and ba 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 But after I go on a good old-fashioned cattle roundup, woohoo! and also rip the one black character. He's a slave, they mention it. You're coming with me. And I love Rip immediately. Obviously the fool, because Rip's response to that is, no, I think I'll stay. This place okay. is downright pleasant when you aren't here. Oh, ho, ho, he's funny. He got jokes. He's the only son of a bitch who can make Lear laugh. Yeah, so then they go in Cattle Ranch. There's a bunch of scenes of him doing ranch Rip stuff. Rip sings a song. This, it's a fool thing for him to do. When he does that, it makes me wonder, is this why people asked me to cut the songs from The Fool from my version of King Lear that I directed? I like the songs. But when he started singing, I was like, wow, this is a lot of time wasted on this hour and a half movie. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> I feel like the way that this is paced out they don't give the fool that many opportunities to make fun of Lear for his actions. No. So by having the song, they got to have Lear sing, which then gave Rip something to make fun of him for. That's fair. Which is something, but it, it's interesting to me because in the play, the fool is like, hey, you're an idiot. You did a dumb thing. And he says it in a lot of different ways. And I feel like he says it maybe once in this film, if at all. Hey, man. Yeah. Can we just do the next two Edmund Thomas scenes together because they happen and then it doesn't become a plot again for a while? Yeah, sure. Okay. So a lieutenant from the army comes backed by more horses from Henry Westover. And Henry's like, I never sold him. And then he's like, oh, but your son, he's very drunk and smiley. And he's like, Thomas did it. So it gets Mr. Westover angry. Yep. And then Thomas comes back and he's like, hey, I'm back from my few day trip. And where are the horses? And, and Emmett's just like, oh, I don't know, Thomas. Why don't you ask our father? Go ask dad. And Westover's like, you dirty, rotten scoundrel. I'm gonna kill you. What's this money yeah because Emmett like comes from behind thomas and pulls out some cash that he hid in thomas's wallet yeah and thomas is like i ain't never seen that cash before and then henry pulls a gun on his own son and tells him to leave get go on get and then i guess Emmett's like i'm also gonna leave because i need to show the audience that that lieutenant was an actor <gasps> And he and I said that we'd split the money 50-50, but now I'm killing him, so I get all the money. I mean, it's a good plan. It's a good plan to get a lot of money. It is a pretty smooth move, though, because the actor's like, can I keep the uniform? And then Emmett shoots him, and he's like, you can keep the uniform. <laughs> and that, that's kind of funny. And that's the best, coolest thing that this guy does in this movie, because then he just kind of gets sidelined for a lot of it. 
Oh, I don't want to go back to the scene with... <laughs> oh, you don't want to go and experience a racism? <laughs> and King Lear the Fool gets, tie- like, manacled. No, Megan. Thrown in the stocks. No. No. So Kent dresses up like a servant in order to join Lear's train. And in order to do that, he runs afoul of Oswald, who is Goneril's servant. And so we get basically the scene where Oswald and Kent have a fight. But instead, it's the fool and this random guy who does work for Susanna, who is our Oswald. But yeah, instead, so, it's, so it's a, like supposed to be reminiscent of that scene, but it's like it's a racism. It's a, it's it's a hate it's a crime. Hate crime. He ties him up. And then starts lashing him. And he's just like, where's your proof that you're a free slave? And it's a whole thing. And then Lear comes up and lassos the guy. And I'm like, cool, Cool. good. Lear's Lear's a great great. guy. And then he's just like, don't touch my property. And I go, never mind. (laughs) Lear's bad. Lear sucks. And then Lear's like, all right, well, clean yourself off. And Rip's like, my shirt is destroyed. And Lear's like, well... You are the richest man in Texas as far as I know. Give him another shirt. What the hell? So we get back to Susanna and Highsmith planning to take over the land. Because Susanna's, I mean, Susanna already was like, we're going to get more land. But then she finds out that her man Warnell got barely hit by Lear. And she's like, oh, that's it. That's it. And Lear's home and he's just like, feed my men. And she calls him a pathetic addled old man. Then she pulls a gun on him. And this rules. Goneril should have pulled a gun on Lear in the original play. I swear. Absolutely, Marsha Gay Harden. Rules. Because she also gets this great moment where it's like, oh, well, they're not going to listen to you. They work for me. And she's like, you gave me. The land and the money. I own this legally. I am the person paying their wages. And all of them are like, oh, whoops. And he's just like, I gave this to you. You know those arguments where you yell at your family members and you say the worst things about them? And sometimes you're like, well, I didn't really mean that. No, they really mean it. Do you mean when she says, don't think the price came easy to me? Having to say I loved you when all I've ever felt for you was hate. You're nothing but an old tyrant. That's all you are. You worked our mother to death and you never took no notice of Rebecca or me ever. All you ever cared about was your son and after he died, all you cared about was Claudia. And they're gone now and your day is over. Megan, why are the sisters bad? Here's the thing. In King Lear... It's mostly subtext, and they are, like, kind of just evil. You have yeah, to add but, it. Yeah, but then at the same time, you have Lear being like, I pray to all the gods that you are barren, and your joy crumbles to dust, and you have poison babies. <laughs> like, Yeah. He ha- continuously says horrible things to them, which this Lear doesn't. He goes, whoa, you've betrayed me. But at the same time, these daughters are like, this is all the stuff that you've done before the camera started rolling. So they took away Lear's vitriol on screen, and they added the subtext from the play back into the daughter's work, which I think is a weird choice. I feel like you should amp them both up. Yeah. To be like vitriol 
spit back. Or at least you don't even need to amp up the vitriol. Enough is there in the original Yeah, just keep it, but have them fight back. Yeah. I think I enjoy it so much because it's so different, but it does make you feel worse for Lear. But then you listen to the daughter's words and you're like, oh, that's terrible. That sucks. But he still doesn't say anything like half as heinous to them as King Lear does in the play. But then I remember he sees Rippa's property and I want them to shoot him. (laughs) Yep. But he says, Rebecca is my only loyal child. I'll go and live with her. You suck. I don't need you, Susanna. I need to say some of what he says to her because he does bite back a little bit. Yeah. It's in one of those like, who do you think you are bite backs where he says, I remember the day you were born, your mother held you up to me and she said, John, here's your daughter and you were a fine, healthy child and I had a tender feeling in my heart for you that day. But that feeling is gone from my heart. You are dead to me now, dead as winter grass. I only got one daughter now. See, at the same time, it's not like he admits what she said about him. No, he's saying, I loved you before, and now I don't, because of this sort of thing right now. But it's strange, he doesn't say, like... You're right. He doesn't try to justify... Well, he also doesn't try to justify himself. Yeah. He doesn't say, like, it was a hard time losing my son. Like, he doesn't say any of that. He doesn't try to justify what she says, doesn't try to push back. He only says what he felt then and what he feels now he's very much an in the moment kind of guy anyway he leaves and uh rip goes with him which is strange because rip doesn't need to go with this dude i just assume that rip's like well she held a gun to people and i don't want to hasn't done that so rip and lear are riding going to rebecca's and I slightly take back what I said last scene about how Rip doesn't really tear into Lear as much as the fool does about his mistakes. Because he's got a good one here. Because Lear asks, why do my children hate me? And he's just like, do you want me to be honest? Because the truth is it's because you have no love in you. Just pride. That's rough. At the same time, I feel like this... It's not like poking at him for it, though. He's just like... "Mm." I feel like this could hit harder. I feel like on stage, maybe. I don't know. It also feels like... There is something about The Fool that The Fool makes a lot of jokes and then every so often punctuates it with like a... A stab in your heart? Yeah. (laughs) If you're Lear? He punctuates it with just like a... No, seriously. You are nothing. I think that Rip is just too straightforward. Like, if he'd given, like, an allegory in this moment, and then been like, because that's what you are, I feel like it would hit better. But anyway, uh, Lear uh, starts losing his mind. Loses his way. He doesn't know where to go, Megan. Yeah, so it's actually a really sad moment. Marquez kind of made a funny just then. Oh, I don't want to approach it. Uh, because he's trying to avoid the fact that they're showing basically dementia signs, which is a thing that happens easily in Lear. It's very easy to joke it up, but if you want to be more realistic, it's just very obviously like stress-induced dementia. Sad. Sad. so Lear's trying to go to Rebecca's, and he just starts going the wrong direction. Rip's like, where are you going? And he's like, I'm going to Rebecca's. And Rip's like, It's the complete opposite direction. And he just has this moment where he's like, this isn't right. I shouldn't be lost. 
I own this land. I know this land. I'm the one who laid it out. Why don't I know where I am anymore? Do you remember the film Logan? I didn't watch it. In the film Logan, Patrick Stewart plays an older Charles Xavier who is on the brink of dementia and death. And it is so frightening because this is a man whose power is telepathy and he is losing his mind bit by bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so did Patrick, what experience does Patrick Stewart have with dementia? Because I think he plays it very well and it's terrifying and sad. I don't know if he has any connection. It's a fairly common occurrence. So he's probably experienced it. He's an old man. Yeah. Anyway, Lear tags off the conversation by asking Rip to shoot him instead of letting him lose his mind. I mean, Lear does a very similar thing. Yeah. And and yeah, that that conversation always makes me sad. I don't know why, man. I don't know. Back to happier times. Happier, Megan? Yeah. So, the plotters, which is what I'm going to call them now, Susanna, Rebecca, and Highsmith, they're the plotters. So the plotters go to Westover's ranch to, in order to get his help, because they need forces to attack Manchaka. And this is actually Rebecca's idea, and Rebecca's usually a quiet, not plotting one, but yeah. she's the one that's just like, we get... Westover, and then we just kind of lie to him and tell him that... Lear's all up for it. (laughs) Yep. So we just get his horses and his support, and he gets more people on our side. But he doesn't have any horses. But he has men. But he has men, and so they're all talking, and Rebecca gets a bit uncomfortable with the conversation, because her husband's... Kind of racist. Kind of (laughs) racist and horrible. And so she goes into the house, and then Emmett follows her into the house... And he's like, I could not be racist. Yeah, he's just like, your husband is a mean guy. And she's just like, oh, are you worried about me? And he goes, worried about you like my tongue in your mouth? And then they make out. Man, I'm going to say something controversial. Yeah. Brave. I think that Lear could go without the subplot of the sisters both wanting to make out with Edmund. Yeah, I think it's just... Making them lascivious and evil. I was going to say trying to bring Edmund into the plot of the main (laughs) characters. That's also fair. So otherwise it's like, why is there that Gloucester family plot? I just liked them, okay? I love Lear. I think there could be a little bit of a rewrite tying in everything together. The whole going to war bit is actually probably the weakest part of King Lear. What? Like most plays with war? Anyway, Lear's here now. Ah, such an inopportune time because he went looking for Rebecca at her place and she wasn't there. And then they were like, oh, she's at Westover. So he went over to Westover's and Westover is like, hey, Lear, they're talking to me about the killing Menchaka plan. And he's just like, the what? And Henry gets mad at the Highsmiths, and Highsmith is mad, and then Highsmith's like, you're a coward because you made a treaty and you're standing by it. And Rip goes to talk to Westover and tells him that Claudia went over to Menchaco, so if they're going to attack Menchaco, Miss Claudia's in danger. Yeah. And meanwhile, we cut back to the main conversation, and Lear's just like, Highsmith, you're a terrible person who killed Mexicans who were surrendering during the war. Rebecca, I should not have let you marry this guy. Come back with me. We'll get a do-over. And she's just like, no. He's my husband. I just made out with a bastard. 
This is less well done. Yes. It makes less sense. She has less of a point to make than Susanna. Yeah. And I, it doesn't really work. I I feel like it's that the only reason she doesn't go with him maybe is because she's supposed to be siding mm. against him. But there's like a missing link here. What makes it work in the play? Is that there's a isn't there a message sent? Yes, it from is. Goneril? It is that Goneril has already sent forward, and they are already the war part doesn't matter in Lear until like the end. Yeah, it's mostly just them dealing with their father. Yeah, and that is the main plot. But I think by trying to make this have a overarching plot. It takes away from the actual flip family drama. A yeah, like bit. the the sisters aren't teaming up against their father; they're focused on another thing. Yeah, and Lear's interrupting. It's weird. This is yeah. I think this is the weakest effect that that change makes. Yeah, but basically, again, we get a little conversation where Rebecca's just like, "No, I'd rather be with my husband than with you." and you've never loved me and he's just like no you're my favorite and she's like that's not true that's blatantly false and he just keeps being like no 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 you were always my favorite come on now and then she just says no and he's like fine i'm leaving i'm gonna go to yell at a storm he really doesn't get any great digs in at her yeah. Uh, he's basically just like, when you scream for your daddy, I won't hear you. So I bid you good day, burn in hell. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, great way to leave. It's a great exit line. A lot weaker. Like, he used up his good shit on Susanna. Yeah. So what I don't like is that the storm is not mentioned beforehand. And it's supposed to be like, it's going to storm. You should not go out there. And it seems just like, whoops, a storm happened. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the storm happens. And Menchak is just like, my father and your father, Claudia, they helped each other during a storm once. And Westover comes and... He's like, where's Claudia? Menchak is like, never met a Claudia. No idea. And, and then Claudia comes out. And he's it's just like, like, my dad's sad? Oh no, bring him here. He's sad? Oh, but also you guys are gonna get attacked. And he's like, oh no, that's even worse. <laughs> and then we cut to old man... Yells at Cloud. Yells at Cloud. Ah! There it is! Death! There's not much to say about this that's different than Lear. It's good. It's good. He yells at the storm. He's like, come at me. There's a little bit more of a Christian angle because it's in Texas. Yeah, so it feels a lot like God strike me down if you hate me so much. Yeah, not so much as like... World. It doesn't entirely work for me. I think it's there just so you get the aftermath of it. He gets bucked off his horse, though, and that... That's sad. It's sad, and it's important, because he's a rancher, and he knows horses, and that it shouldn't be a thing that happens to him on his trained horse. Here's the thing. The storm in the play lasts, like, a whole act, and in this, it lasts one scene. That is, like, three minutes. Yes. That's why they don't mention it beforehand. Yeah. They're just like, oh, there's gotta be a storm so that he can be naked playing with sticks. So anyway... He's naked playing with sticks. Yeah, it's the morning. Uh, the sun is out and he's naked playing with sticks. And Westover finds Lear and Lear does not recognize Westover. And he like knows that 
he used to be able to know people. Mm-hmm. And it's sad. He's just like, there's just so many people now. I don't know who they are. But he did. He should know him. He does talk about his son and that he loved his son. And he said that a man's... Well, he's just like, I think I had a son. I I have a strong feeling I did. But I know I have three daughters and they make a man proud. The way they look at you with their eyes full of love, just shining with love for their father. There ain't no better feeling in this world there, mister, than to know you've done right by your children. Why are you crying? (laughs) Cranston? Why are you crying? <laughs> they hate you, man. You sucked at it. Oh. And then Lear sees a condor and goes, Look, a condor. It's me. <laughs> it's me. Tag yourself. I'm the condor. It's not him, Megan. He's not flying up there? Megan, no. He's not sailing in the wind? It's Othello. Because <gasps> hawks can do anything, go wherever they want. Lear is not a hawk. He can't go wherever he wants. And since it can go anywhere it wants, it just flies away from him beyond his view. And he gets really upset because it turned its back on him and left him all alone. Mm -hmm. And he just goes, man, I really love seeing things. I love looking at things with my eyes. So anyway. Anyway, we we cut back to Westover, who is home again. He was just in the scene, but now he's home. Like, but now there's no transition here. Right? No transition. Highsmith is like, Emmett told me you talked to Lear. And so they kick him in the beans. Okay, here's another change that <laughs> I don't get. I don't know why this film wanted Rebecca to be such a bystander. Yes, it's bad. It's so weird. Okay, so when we finished the film, I was like, I love this film. Very good <laughs> and, film. And, then, and I do think it's still a really good film. But that you talk, think about it a little bit. I think bit. about some things and I go, that's suspicious. That's suspicious. That's weird. Why why did you erase half of the character of Reagan and give it to Goneril? She are, Goneril's already a strong enough character yes! to stand Yes. They're on like her she's own. violent and strong. I'm like she pulled a gun on her dad. I already feel that way. No, cuz the whole idea is that Regan is supposed to be subservient to her husband and maybe a little bit meek and less outgoing than Goneril. And then when this scene happens... She fucking turns and you go, whoa! She had that in her. But it's not... Anyway, Susanna and Highsmith are like... We're gonna brand your eyes out because you aren't telling us where Lear is. Also, Susanna and Emmett kiss in this scene. Yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's it's really random. Uh, she's just like, you aspire to so much. And he's just like, I like a woman who eats a big meal. And he's <laughs> she's just like, I don't like small. It's just all that was ever offered to me. And then they make out. But except not. He made out way more with Rebecca, just saying. So they brand one of Gloucester's eyes. And, and Rebecca's just standing on the side. Yeah. Susanna's like holding West over. While Highsmith does this stuff. And something that I always love that happens in Kingler does happen in King of Texas, which is one of the servants uh, says like, no, I'm not going to do this anymore. You guys are being too violent I and I'm going to stab you. Well, Cornwall. Gets, yeah. And Highsmith gets shot. Yeah. And I really like that his reaction is, you shot me, <laughs> you son of a bitch. The worker says, yes, I did. Yes, I did. <laughs> And then you're like, cool, great. That means that Rebecca's now going to be yeah. like my husband. Except no, Susanna shoots the guy. No, it needs to be Rebecca. Rebecca's just like, oh no. Yeah, 
Yeah, listen, they do not do well by Rebecca. And then Suzanne is just like, Rebecca, he's already dead, move on. And Westover is like, your husband will burn in hell. And that finally wakes up Rebecca. Yeah, it should have been beforehand. And she takes the thing and then the scene cuts. She doesn't say anything cool. She's just like, I'll do it now. And she doesn't even have a smell your way to Dover. There's nothing. Rebecca's weak. So then Lear wakes up because he's at Manchaco's. We didn't see this happen. And I mean, that's kind of just like waved in the play anyway. Yes. (laughs) He sees Claudia and she just kind of like forgives him. I mean, man, man, you get forgiven for a lot for being a sad old. Yes, that's what I was going to say. If my first thing that my dementia father said to me was me saying, hey, do you know me? And them shaking their heads, sadly, like kind of concerned. I would be like, they don't even know what they did to me. Here's the thing. Lear, in the play, gets such a tender moment with Cordelia, gets several tender moments with Cordelia near the end of the play that work, and King of Texas just doesn't have. (laughs) They don't have, like, super tender... No, the most that they get is that he's just like, don't make fun of me, which is... He does Straight from Lear, basically. And then him being like how you must hate me and then she goes no no i love you yeah but i think the shakespeare words work better better. because it's not just you hate me no i love you it's a whole moment (laughs) and also megan rip is here that was my note yeah and rips part of it well because the fool's gone by this point yeah no i know but like rip never really does anything again he's there you should have written more for rip if the fool's not there Now you have a superfluous character who doesn't really say anything. That's a problem. You know what else is weird to me? What? They just had this moment where they're like, Hi, I'm your father, but I have dementia. Very sad. Barely know who you are. Menchaka comes in and he goes, What? That's Menchaka. I know him from the day he was born. (laughs) Dementia works in weird ways. That's true. But he has enough energy to be like, that's the enemy of our blood. What the hell are you doing with him? And I'm like, don't be racist, Dad. Go to sleep. Go back to sleep. And then Menchaka's like, I'm here to protect your daughter and you now because I'm fighting your stupid other daughters. And then Lear's like, me too. And everyone goes, no, no. old man. All right. So then we have a, like a short little scene where the sisters are talking with Emmett about their plan. They're all sexy. And they're like, what are we going to do about Tomlinson when he comes back? And they're like, well, we're going to murder him. And they're just being sexy and evil. And it's fine. Whatever. And then Susanna, after just saying that, is like, I don't like that Rebecca, whose husband's already dead, is flirting with Emmett. I want to flirt with Emmett. And she literally says to Emmett, like, her husband hasn't even been dead a week. And Emmett goes, funny how some people are cold-hearted. And then, like, one minute later, she calls Rebecca soft-hearted. Their relationship is very confused by this young man. So anyway, Westover has a gun. And he's gonna end his life because he's blind. Oh! Like, were you confused about what was going on? I was like, why is this blind guy loading a gun? He can't protect himself. And then I was like, 
why is Thomas running at him? <laughs> now I realize <laughs> everything. And I should have known that because that's what happens in Lear is he's like, I'm going to, well, in Lear, he's like, I'm going to jump off this cliff. <laughs> and, and then, then he jumps off. Poor, like, and then poor Tom goes, dare you. <laughs> and then he uh, steps and it's just like a slight drop. Yeah. And he just like tumbles a bit. And he's like, no, oh, thought I was going to die. And Edgar's like, nah, I so, got you. So here's some things, Megan. There's no disguise for Thomas. No. It's weird establishing that Westover finally, quote unquote, realizes that Thomas is a good son when we were shown that he wasn't. That's, yeah. Like, he wasn't a horrid son, but he wasn't a good son. He was a drunk who was rude to the guy that you have to pay respect to. What it should be is, I realize... Emmett's bad. bad. You're not. You're a victim of Emmett. Yeah. We're victims of Emmett. And we're both okay people. But also, we don't get vitriol from Emmett. No, Emmett. That's the thing. What we lose with the monologue is that we don't get the vitriol that Edmund has for his family. Yeah, it's just like, oh, he did bad things. Yeah. He's, for reasons? He's doing them for reasons? Tomlinson's back. He's he's back early. And he's just like, where are the men? And she's and like, uh, out. Out. On a walk. Uh, where's Lear? Uh, uh, on a walk? He, he, he disappeared. He disappeared like yesterday. And then he goes, Megan, that's suspicious. That's weird. What happened to Highsmith? Uh, um, he got murdered by a hand randomly. Just out of nowhere. And he's like, what is going on here? Is this about that racism plot? And then she goes, you're too late to stop it, Henry. But you can still share in our success. And he's like, okay, bye. He basically, Susanna basically pulls an Ozymandias from Watchmen. And she's just like, it happened 33 minutes ago. So there's going to be a fight. and So, everyone... so Claudia and Menchaca share the most chaste kiss of this oh, film. Oh, yes. But you don't need to be afraid. Cordelia never dies in there. Never. That's not going to be their only kiss. We know they did more. Oh, Uh, and then, uh, oh, well, we have an important moment, Megan, which is uh, Rip is here and Lear says, thank you for everything you've done. And and Rip says, you are not welcome. You are not welcome. (laughs) And then Lear smiles. I hate this, Megan. There actually needs to be some tenderness here. See, so the problem is in Lear... Lear never says that to the fool. Yes, he does. He does? In the rain. He allows the fool to go in and get shelter first. And that is the first time that Lear cares about another person. And that, man, so, I, no, here's, so, here's the thing. That's as much as the play does to the fool. But then what the play has is Lear have a prayer for the people below him. So the problem here is... They did not. They went... Okay, we don't do soliloquies. So we will do him showing a kindness to the fool, which is him saying thank you for once. And then, uh, it's over. Yeah, they don't do enough. I get it because he's not a king. And so, like, it makes sense for King Lear to be like, I have directly affected all these people. Their ants below me. Oh, no, poor world. Well, he'd just be like, I am a rancher. No, what he should say, Megan, is I did kill those two men unjustly from the beginning of the film. They were just trying to eat. Now I know what that's like. 
and I understand not having anything and what yeah. you would do if when you don't have anything. There's another thing I want to say. Someone says that someone's going to squirt blood out of their eyes like a horny toad. One, another lizard reference. Thank you. Two, horny toads bother me a lot because they're not toads. Yeah. They're lizards. Yeah. They're not amphibians. They're reptiles. And and they, they're called toads because they're round, but they look like bearded dragons. I would never look at a bearded dragon and be like, look, a toad. So why not call it a horny lizard? Man, there's a whole battle to get through. Do you, right, do you right, want to right, do, right, right. do it fast, though, considering we're talking about lizards? So. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. So um, they're like, ah, Menchaka left because he did the smart thing and, and didn't stand out in the open. Yeah, his men are hiding. So there's a scouting party that goes in, and Menchaka's people are all, like, hiding behind lips of buildings and things. And there's women with guns, and I'm like, hell yeah, women, die, because everyone's going to die. Yeah, and But so, it's not true. Most people actually survive this, except a bunch of people who die. Emmett, he just dies. Yeah. He just gets shot. and Three then, times. Yeah. And uh, Lear is not in his bed. And yeah. he's just like walking around outside. Mm-hmm. And he's like, ah, oh, a dead child. Ah, oh, a dead woman that Megan earlier was- Is this was... the prayer? I think this is the prayer. It doesn't land well. It's one of the few moments that I'm like, I wish they had a voiceover yeah. of what he's thinking. And I typically hate those. But- it's just like, oh, it's the first time he's seeing that innocence can be killed by violence. Yeah. And, like, have him mention it somehow. He's just like, guys, stop fighting. Wait, no, stop. It was all my fault. And then Claudia's like, daddy! She and, then she, inside. and then she gets shot. And then Tomlinson is just like, no, everyone, stop. Really, though, listen to me. And then Lear brings Claudia's body out like he does in the play. And then he cries and he does the whole thing with the feather, which I'm like, you just been carrying that? <laughs> anyway, he's just like, look, she's breathing. And everyone's like, oh it's my God, she's, she's so dead. It's the wind, my dude. And then he's like, no, she's alive. And then the, oh, the bird. <laughs> look, a condor. Okay. In King Lear, I think that is one of the hardest lines when he says, her breath, her breath, look there, and then dies suddenly. I think it's hard because uh, you uh, have never died before. Yes. <laughs> Most people have never seen someone they love's life slip away suddenly. Yes. From, like, a wound. And that, like, their body draws one less breath and yeah. then die. Yeah. So I've had a lot of people, like, I mean, the only thing you can really do is be like, no, but seriously, look there. But in this, he goes, look there, and he sees the bird. My take on it would be to have Lear get into death throes and then say, look there, as, like, his last words. As though he has seen something that you can't see because his brain is shutting down. I mean, he does continue. In, I think they I do it well in this one because yeah. he see- says it and then it makes him realize... She's dead. Yeah. And then he starts kind of fading a bit and he says, look there a couple more times and then just collapses. And I I think Lear's death is hard to pull off. And I think this pulled it off pretty well. Yeah, it wasn't sad. (laughs) I don't think this film justifies the sadness of this. Like, I didn't get sad that Claudia died. Oh, I mean... Yeah. See, like, I don't like, see this as a Lear that wants to be sad, though. I feel like it's a Lear that wants to be a Western. <laughs> I think that's a bad Lear, then. Lear's a very depressing play. I feel like you can't interpret it 
in a way that isn't bleak. Anyway, let's move on. We got a because yeah. uh, even though the play ends when Lear yeah, dies, yeah, there's there's uh, we got two well two short Lear dies, and then Albany's like, ah, yes, Edgar and I will continue the world through procreation, and then Edgar's like, nah, man, I'm not about it. <laughs> I'm done. So this is this is that for us. Tomlinson is just like, wow, Susanna, you're horrible. You did this. This is your fault. And she's like, yep. I stand by it. And then he shows the bodies of Emmett and Warnell. And Rebecca's like, oh, no. And Susanna's like, wow, you're a little bitch, baby. And then Tomlinson's like, you're gonna hang. hang. I'm gonna hang you. And she goes, will you? And then she gets on a horse and she leaves. And Rebecca's like, Susanna! And then Susanna's shot. Megan? (laughs) She should have gotten away and become like kissing Kate Barlow. That would have actually been cool, is if it's like, she got away. She did not die. Yeah. I'm also just like, so I'm guessing they just hang Rebecca? Yeah. I, I don't, I don't yeah. okay. And uh, then we get our final epilogue, which is, you know, how Edgar says, nah, I'm not about it. Yeah. And we see Thomas, and he has horses. And he's with his dad. And nothing ever bad happened to people in Texas. Ever again. Yay! It's so weird because Henry is like, oh, there's a mountain lion. And Thomas is like, I'll watch out for it, dad. And then we just pan out and see cows. Bad ending. Does not work. You can't have like a, and everything is fine when many people died. What if at the end of Hamlet, there's a post scene where like Fordenbrass comes in and then is no, just no, not no. joking. I'm joking. <laughs> but where Horatio is looking over the battlements as the sun is rising and he a goes, new day. Yeah, a new day. Fortinbras has fixed things overnight. Everything is well. <laughs> and then it ended like that. Like why? Why have the like? There's mountain lions. Oh, don't do worry. I've got this. A real man. Who's not blind? Thomas, our main character. Roll credits. We did it, Megan, though. We, we're done. Well, now I don't know how I feel about this movie. You were really high on it. I after. really liked it for the first couple days after I watched it, and then I talked about it with you, and now I've got some issues. I, I'm very sorry. That's really my MO. Just to just make me not enjoy things as much? Yeah, a little. So, okay, so as an adaptation, I think it's fair. It's fair. It's a fair adaptation. It does a lot of things right. I like what it does, mostly with Goneril slash Susanna. Yeah. Claudia is the same. Yeah. As Cordelia. Lear could use some more vitriol. For being an hour and a half, it gets all of the beats right. Yeah, that's the thing, is I'm like, it could use a bit more of the stuff, but then it would be a longer movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I respect how short this is. I mean, they could have just completely cut out Thomas and Emmett from the movie. Like, then they it wouldn't be King Lear. Yes, it would. I feel like this definitely wanted to be an adaptation of it instead of just inspired by. Yeah. Like, that's, I think, where it ends up becoming weak because it wanted to be an adaptation while still being the short length of just a nice, fun Western. Where I think it falters is it doesn't 
tackle the themes of King Lear because it's trying to be a, a adaptation of what happens in King Lear. While also, you know, it does tackle the concept of a Western. I think that France being a Mexican group of people works better because then I care about them <laughs> rather than France, which I don't give a shit about yeah. in Lear. Yeah, you're just like, oh, they're fighting? Okay. Is someone going to die? There's a tinge of of racism to it, which is something that is in Westerns, but is not in King Lear. Yeah, because there were no people of color in King Lear. Mm, Yeah. Just for the best guys. Shakespeare would not have written them nicely. No. It's a fair adaptation. Yep. I think they could have made it stronger by making it uninspired by film. Yep. So that they could have some more freedom. Uh, Roger Ebert didn't see this film. Is it because it was a TV movie? Yeah, probably. Probably. Do you want to know what I think Shakespeare would say? Of course, always. I think he would say, I must love you and Suda know you better. Because that was originally what I said when I was like, I love this film and I want to see more of it. And now my thought of it is, I really like this film and I want to know, I want some answers. (laughs) I must Suda know you better. Mm. Marquez, what would you rate King of Texas? I would rate King of Texas the half of the money that the actor was supposed to get plus the cost of the uniform that he got to keep so a little bit more than a 50 percent of cut he didn't get that cut but that's what i would give it so maybe like a 60 percent i mean that uniform did not cost that much but megan what would you rate king of texas i would rate it three reptiles shown or referenced in the film Mm mm-hmm out of four children of Lear. Four children of Lear, which I came up with. All right. I think that's just about going to do it for us here on Avant Bard. If you like what you heard, you can follow us on all social media at Avant Bard Pod and visit our website at bit.ly slash Avant Bard. And if you really like what you heard, you can support us financially at patreon.com slash Avant Bard Pod. Bloopers for this episode will be posted next week on Patreon. But until then, we will see you anon. Avant Bard is created by Matthew James Marquez and Megan Charlow. To support the show, visit patreon.com slash avantbardpod. We would like to thank Riley Allen for the creation of our theme music, Cloverkin for our logo artwork, and everyone in the audience for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Avant Bard, you can visit us on all social media platforms at Avant Bard Pod.